This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Wow, it's uh, it's really beautiful tonight. It's so good to be with all of you. Welcome. I love this about our community that we keep taking each other by surprise. I never thought we'd be doing this whole seancey thing in the middle, and I'm digging it. <laughs> and I hope we keep growing and evolving and taking each other by surprise for many, many years to come. So I want to talk a little bit tonight about miracles in advance of Hanukkah, which begins Sunday night. So everyone's familiar, of course, with the miracle of Hanukkah, at least the way the rabbis of the Talmud tell it. A cruise of oil was found, and it was supposed to last for only one night, but miraculously it lasted for eight nights, which gave our ancestors time to rededicate their sacred spaces that had been desecrated in a, in a bloody and horrible war. And, and, and so starting on Sunday night, many of us will take out our Hanukkiot and see if we still have any candles from last year, and if not, scramble, run out to the market and try and find some, so that we can light our own Hanukkiot to commemorate that incredible miracle. Most of the laws, most of the halachot around Hanukkah have to deal with the way that we will light on Sunday night and every night after that throughout the holiday. Questions like, where should we put the Hanukkiah? With answers like, outside of your house or in a window that's facing the street, if at all possible. Why? So that passersby won't be able to miss it. When should we light? Not too early, because a light won't be seen in the daytime, but not too late, because we wouldn't want passersby to miss it if they're already all back at home. And the driving force, if you study these laws, behind many of these specifications is actually articulated by Rambam in the Mishnah Torah as follows. He says, the whole point of these laws is leharot ulegalot hanes. Leharot ulegalot hanes. It, it, it's not to remember the miracle. It's in order to show the miracle, in order to reveal the miracle that our people experienced. This is what became known as Pirsume Nisa, to publicize the miracle. And it's a very strange and wonderful idea that I just want us to think about for a couple of minutes tonight as we stand on the cusp of this holiday. The idea that our obligation during this holiday is to engage our own ritual in a way that other people, people outside the home, maybe outside our community, neighbors, strangers will see it and will react to it. It's not about our reaction to the miracle. It's about their reaction to our miracle. Now, of course, the rabbis say that if you miss your window, you get home late from work, don't worry, it's okay, you can still light even if nobody's gonna see it. If, you, if, you don't have, if, if you're not living in a time or a place where it's safe to put it outside or put it on the window, don't worry, it's okay. You can still light, you'll keep it inside. But the central dynamic of this law is that our experience of the holiday is actually dependent 
on someone else, someone we don't even know necessarily witnessing us. You know, I was thinking today about something that happened to Rabbi Tzedok. Where are you? Somewhere. Oh, there she is. A few years ago, at two in the morning, Rabbi Tzedok was awakened in the middle of the night by Leora, a congregant of ours, who was banging on her door, screaming, Ronit, fire, get out. And Rabbi Tzedok put on her flip-flops and bleary-eyed, like made her way out the door, just as there was a blast of light outside her front window. And there was a massive blaze that was just a few feet from your door, right? And, and, and I remember you, you described that you made your way downstairs and all the neighbors are standing there watching this horrible fire take place. They, they were in one of those apartments that have a carport right underneath. And so the flames just shot up and almost encased the entire home. And had Leora not awakened to the sound of that boom, and had you not gotten out of bed so quickly, it could have been one of the worst days of our lives. But thank God you survived. It, it was really a miracle. And the question is, what do you do when you have an experience like that, when you stand so close to the edge, but then you're pulled back from the edge, maybe miraculously? What happens to the spirit when you're so close to loss and then you survive? Well, the Shabbos after this happened, Rabbi Tzedok and Leora came to, they came to Shul right here in this room and they stood before the community and they stood before the Torah and they recited a blessing we have called Birkata Gomel. They benched Gomel. This is something that survivors of trauma say when you've survived a life-threatening experience. In ancient times, people would say it whenever they'd come back from traveling overseas or if they came out of prison or if they survived an illness. Today we say it after we've concluded chemo treatments. We say it after we've survived surgeries or accidents or near misses or after giving birth. We say, blessed are you, God, ruler of the world, who rewards even those who don't deserve it with goodness and who have rewarded me this time with goodness. And the whole community, the whole room responds saying, may the one who granted you this undeserved goodness also remember me with undeserved goodness forever. There are three reasons why we do this. The first two are obvious. First, because life is fragile and we live really precariously close to the edge. And so we wanna remind the community that every moment matters and that we're lucky to be alive and that we all need this lesson because we get so distracted and we forget. The second lesson is that miracles are possible in this world. And to experience a miracle and not express gratitude for it is to take it for granted. So we come before the whole community and we say, pay attention. I know we're all cynics. I know we're all skeptics. I know many of us are even despairing, but do not give up because something absolutely incredible happened to me this week and I survived. But the third lesson might not be quite as obvious as life is fragile and miracles are possible. The third lesson is, I need you to see me. How do we make sense of our fragility? How do we make sense of the miracles that we've experienced? By sharing them with other people, by letting someone else see them and celebrate them with us, by letting someone hold us and say amen, both to our trial and to our triumph 
to our sorrow, and also to our celebration. And I'm sure that you've all experienced this at some point or other in your life, some near miss that you need to tell anybody who will listen about. You have to tell the story again and again and again, and then that car came within an inch of me. Because this is how we assimilate that information. This is how we assimilate loss and near loss and victory by sharing it with other people, other people who will hold it with grace. It might actually be our most basic human need to live dialogically, to live in dialogue with other people, to see them and to be seen by them. Hanukkah, this holiday that we're about to step into, is driven by the same desire. We, our people, have experienced some terrible things, and we have survived. But here, in this case, the public square becomes our community and our Sefer Torah. Our homes become the Torah table itself. We share with the whole world a message of hope and possibility, and we get from the world in return an affirmation. Yes, you've struggled, and yes, you have survived. It's taught in the, in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Law, that even a poor person who's living off the charity from the community has to lend or sell their own clothes so that they can afford to buy the oil to light the Hanukkiah. Why would the rabbis put someone through that kind of indignity? Someone to suffer like that in order to participate in this holiday. Because in acknowledging that our story itself is a miracle, that the fact of being alive itself is a miracle, the fact of being acknowledged by others for the miracle that we are, that gives us back our dignity. That enhances our humanity. And everybody needs this, especially the people who are suffering the most. We all know this. We all know what it feels like to be isolated in our pain, to feel like nobody cares. And we know what it feels like to have somebody stand in solidarity with us when we've been hurt, to affirm us, to see us. We know that as individuals, and we know that as a collective. Some of you saw that just this past week, Ellie County put out its hate crimes report for the year 2021. And maybe you saw the incredibly large number of hate crime incidents in our city over the course of the past year. And maybe you recognized how many of those crimes were committed against Jewish people. In fact, in the area of religiously motivated hate crimes, we are by far number one. And the ADL has shown in an audit, too, that anti-Semitic incidents in the United States have reached an all-time high. We know that Jews are disproportionately targeted. And all I really want to say about that tonight is that it matters. It matters not only that we recognize the threat and talk to each other about our own vulnerability, but it matters when other people see us in our vulnerability, too. It matters when Mayor Karen Bass sees us, and when Council Member Nitya Raman sees us, and when Kurt Smith sees us. And when they ask about it, and when they say they want to learn about us and our trauma and our history and our joy, and when they open their hearts, and when they show in word and in deed that they stand with us because they understand that our liberation is all tied up in one another. And it matters that we, the, one who, the ones who put our candles in the window, just hoping that some passerby is going to see it and notice it. We who know how much it hurts to not be seen by the world, how much it matters to be seen. It matters that we hone our ability to see beyond our own pain and vulnerability too, and our own miracles, 
and that we recognize that we are not the only ones who are experiencing vulnerability and uncertainty and a sense of destabilization today, that we turn to the world with the same open eyes and open heart that we want the world to greet us with, that we stay curious about the lights that are seen and those that are hidden behind the curtains of other people's homes as well, and that we ask about their stories and their vulnerabilities and their triumphs, and that we allow them also to be heard and to be affirmed and to feel the sacred presence of, a, of sisters standing in solidarity. I pray that this year, as we pull out our Hanukkiot and we begin to light, we not only share our own story, treacherous and glorious as it is, but we rededicate ourselves to hearing other people's stories too. And that is how we become the miracle, each and every one of us. And now, speaking of miracles, <laughs> I would like to turn it over to my partner, to the amazing Hazan Hillel Tigay, to tell us a miraculous story. Hi, it's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon. <laughs>